Now, our reading this morning is from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy um, chapter 1 and verses 1 to 14. We are continuing our series um, thinking about being down in the valley. Um, and this morning, John Stronach is going to do a reading for us. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanksgiving. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. And of this Gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning as we continue our series, um, Being Down in the Valley. And just a reminder that even though we're down in the valley, the whole purpose of this is not to stay down in the valley. Uh, we want to be back up uh, on the mountaintop. And so this is not meant to be uh, a depressing series uh, by any manner of means. It's more trying to acknowledge that there are different aspects in our life that, that often we struggle with that keep us down in the valley. That is the reality of our situation when we're longing to be at the mountaintop. Therefore, how do we get back to the mountaintop? So that's what we're going to be uh, continuing on with this morning. 
Now, this morning we are going to be thinking uh, about um, fear. That's what we're going to be thinking about. And I wonder if there are any times in your life when you feel like uh, that uh, child who uh, is just fearful, and they're sitting there on their couch and they think, oh, I just want the world to go away. I will just grab all these cushions and I'll hide away. And if I can't see the world, then the world can't see me. I wonder if you've ever felt uh, a wee bit like that. Now, there are many fears that we can face in life, aren't there? Some of us are not too enamored with storms, for example, uh, thunder and uh, lightning. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, there was a storm, wasn't there? It didn't really hit us here in, in West Kilbride. We, we'd obviously had some good weather, uh, and then it broke. And there wasn't much thunder and lightning here, but further down the coast, uh, towards Kilmarnock, uh, I know of a family that was woken up uh, one o'clock in the morning, children screaming. They were just scared, scared out of their wits. And if you looked over to Aaron, uh, or you saw any photos of the lightning over in Aaron, it was quite uh, spectacular. But some people are scared uh, of storms, don't like storms at all. Just go to my bed, put my pillow over my head, and pretend it's not there. And there are other things that we might be uh, scared of. I didn't dare put up a spider, just in case you were really, really terrified. I hope you're not too scared of spiders' webs, okay? This is a bad time of year for spiders. I wrote an article in the Largs in Millport, because uh, we do, all the ministers locally do a kind of thought for the week, and the, <laughs> the one that reached number one that week, the only one that's ever done for me uh, on their website, was one that I wrote about the fear of spiders, and it was about this time of year, and as you know, uh, spiders are all looking for a mate or whatever it is, and they all creep about uh, in your house, and there's nothing uh, more terrifying, is there, than these eight-legged little creatures, spiders. Now, there are numerous other things that we can be uh, scared of, some of which are, are more terrifying uh, than others. And you know, it's just fine to be scared of spiders or to be scared of, of storms, but there are, there are other fears that we face in our lives, aren't there? There are much more profound fears. Now, in our series today, what we're going to think about is fear of something in particular. And something that at initial thought you might find unusual, but when you think about it, it's a fear that we all have at one time or another. It's a very profound fear. And the fear is fear of the future. It's fear of the future. Fear of what is going to happen or what might happen. And that's what we're going to think about today as we think about this passage from Second Timothy. Now, as we come to Second Timothy this morning, just as a, an introduction, in various areas in life today, it's popular, isn't it, to have a mentor, someone who is more experienced than you, uh, who's able to give you uh, help and encouragement as necessary. And it, it could be a mentor uh, at work. Sometimes when you, you start a new job, you, you have someone that you kind of shadow for a little while, don't you? And you see how they do things and what the systems are, and, and they act as a kind of mentor. 
And then when you're left on your own, and if you've ever got any problems, they're the person that you go and see. But it could be a mentor in a different area of life. It could be a mentor in a hobby you're doing. If you're doing wood turning, my dad is a wood turner. And so uh, they help one another. So if they've never done some aspect of wood turning, they will watch someone else, and the other person will act as a mentor. Now, of course, mentoring is nothing new. It probably just wasn't called that uh, back in the day. But I'm sure that in our lives, uh, perhaps we ourselves have had a mentor, or maybe we have been the one who's been doing the mentoring. Now, today we think about a passage in 2 Timothy as we think about being down in the valley. And at our Wednesday fellowship just now, we're studying 1 Timothy, Paul's first letter to Timothy. But this morning we're thinking about the second letter written to Timothy. And these letters are written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, probably at this point, was a wee bit older, and he was acting as Timothy's mentor. He is Timothy's mentor. You see, Paul is an older man compared to Timothy, a younger man. And you see in verse 2 in our passage that Paul calls Timothy his dear son. And so they have that, that clearly there's a a close relationship there. um, And Paul refers to Timothy as his dear son. And in these two letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul wants to encourage Timothy to make sure that he's going on in the right direction and doing the right things as he's called to carry on the good work of Paul in sharing the gospel. Now, over these past two weeks, two Sundays, thinking about being down in the valley, we've thought about Psalm 42 and those inexplicable times when God seems far off those kind of dark night of the soul uh, moments in our life. Then last week, we thought about 1 Corinthians 15 and how past regrets can, can sometimes paralyze us, but how no matter what we have done, we can realize that there is total forgiveness in Jesus. And remember, we looked last week at Paul, and Paul, how he was a, a persecutor of the church, He'd done some terrible things. He had been there nodding his approval when Stephen, the first martyr, was killed. He'd done some terrible things. And yet, we see in 1 Corinthians 15, he was able to move on. Why? Because he knew the power of the gospel. But today from 2 Timothy, we're going to think about uh, fear of the future. Because the reality is, is that the same as the past can hold regrets for us. The future can paralyze us in fear as well. And as Paul writes this second letter to Timothy, and especially here in chapter 1, this is the fear that Paul has for Timothy. You see, after his usual greeting in his letter, and his greeting to Timothy, Paul then goes on to give thanks for Timothy. He remembers Timothy in prayer, and he remembers Timothy's sincere faith, and how this sincere faith has been passed down from the generations, from Lois and Eunice, and now to Timothy. 
That is a wonderful heritage that Timothy has, isn't it? He's clearly had a godly grandmother. He's had a godly mother. And now that's been passed on to him uh, as well. And Paul gives thanks for this. And he gives thanks for Timothy. But then, as we get into the meat of the letter and the meat of chapter 1 here, Paul then goes on to remind Timothy of the calling that has been placed upon Timothy's life. Because it appears that that when they've been together, perhaps in a a church context, perhaps when the, the, the body of the church has been together, it seems that Paul has laid hands on Timothy a kind of commissioning or an ordination, if you want to to put it in those terms, to commission Timothy for for what was next in his life. But from what Paul says here in verse 7, it seems that Timothy is in danger of shying away from his calling. Why? Possibly because he is fearful of the future fearful of the future. You see, it's quite clear, even from what Paul says here in this chapter, that Paul was persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Paul the persecutor was now the persecuted as he was part of the church. And Paul was imprisoned many times. He was mistreated. He was beaten. And maybe as Timothy looks at, at Paul, his, his, his mentor, this older man, perhaps he's fearful, thinking, goodness, yes, I've been, been called to, to carry on the work that Paul has been doing, but look at what's happened to Paul. He's going around all these different places. He, he's causing riots. He's been put in prison. He's beaten Is that really something that that I want to go through? And I know that God has been working in my life. I know that God has called me to this. I know that I've been set apart for this task. But can I really do it? And so he's shrinking back. As it says in this passage, he's timid. He's afraid. And in our lives, there can be times when when God is calling us forward, isn't he? Into a new phase in our life. And yet we shrink back. And that can be because we fear what the future might hold. And this is what holds us back and, and keeps us down in the valley. You see, what do you notice about Timothy? But what you notice is that he may be in danger of stepping back from what he should be doing. You see, he's been set apart for this certain task, and yet it now now might be that, that he's shying away from it. He's paralyzed because of what the future might hold. He sees this future before him, and he thinks, I, I just don't know. I don't know if that's what I want to do, or that's the direction I want to go. And for us, we can have fear about what the future might hold. Future for ourselves, for our families, our job situation, our lives. Sometimes people say to me when they retire, I I, I don't know what to do. 
I've got all this, this future before me, and, and I'm, I'm stuck. I'm directionless. I'm aimless. Sometimes fear for the future can be paralyzing. And it may be that we, we don't want to think about the future or go that direction. Now, how do we get over this? You see, at one time or another, we all have to face the future, don't we? Whether we're older, like Paul, or younger, like Timothy. Well, if you notice in verses 7 and 8, if you are listening carefully to our reading this morning, there is something that is repeated by Paul. Did you notice it? Because he says that the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power. Gives us power. And then in verse 8, Paul invites Timothy to join with him in suffering for the gospel by the power, the power of God. And so Paul implores Timothy to trust in the power of God. When we feel weak, when we feel timid, it's God who gives us power. It's God who gives us love. It's God who gives us self-discipline. Timothy might not like to face what the, the future holds for him, because if it's anything like Paul's, he knows that it's a life that might mean suffering. But Paul calls Timothy, don't shy back, Timothy. Don't be timid. Come and join me. And why does Paul do this? Well, because no matter what the future holds, Paul knows that it's bright for the Christian. It's bright for the Christian. And I simply want to say to you today, if you are fearful for the future, if you're worried about what the future holds for you, and you're scared, then think about what Paul says to Timothy. Because for the Christian, as Paul himself knows full well, and he says this in the book of Philippians, what does he say? To live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's gain. Wow. Now, if you think about it, that's quite a change. Our world today says that death is the most terrible thing. I'm not saying death is easy by any stretch of the imagination. But as Christians, we have a hope, don't we? We have a hope that death is not the end, that it's only the beginning of being with God forever. And so that's always Paul's focus. Paul is saying, look, when I'm down here on earth, no matter what the future might hold, I am living for Christ. And even if everything goes pear-shaped, even if my life is taken away from me, to die is gain. It's to be with God forever and ever. You see, that is the Christian hope. You see, I really, genuinely, don't know how people live today when they don't have that hope. Because we're all moving. You know, what, what is assured in life? Taxes and death. We cannot escape it. It's all coming closer moment by moment, isn't it? But to live is Christ. To die is gain. 
You see, the Christian always has hope, always has something to look forward to. And of course, we like to to have something to look forward to in our lives, don't we? Something that can can help us, especially when we're we're struggling. You ever been in that situation when you're at work and, and it's just a grind? You think, oh, if I could just get to the end of this week. And you set yourself something to look forward to. Oh, on Saturday, I'm going to spend some time with my family. I'm going to go out for a nice meal. I'm going to go and watch Kilmarnock. Oh, no, that's not maybe a, a good thing. Something to look forward to. Why is it when you're at the barbers or the hairdressers, they're always speaking about holidays? Something to look forward to. You see, we like a break, don't we? We like a holiday. We like a family and an event. And as Christians, we always have something to look forward to in the future. Do you believe that this morning? We always have something to look forward to. You see, maybe you're here at worship this morning. You think, life is just difficult. I'm really, really struggling. Maybe with bereavement issues, illness issues, family issues. You really don't know where life is going. You're not looking forward to this week that's ahead. But I want to say to you today, if you're a Christian, you always have hope. Always. See, we always have the hope that no matter what happens, no matter what we're even what we're going currently going through, that we will be with God forever and ever, and that there will be a day of no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. You see, there's two wonderful things. The first wonderful thing is this, that when you're going through a difficult time, when you're fearful even about the future, when you're not looking forward to next week, I want to assure you that God is with you. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? What does it say in God's Word? Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you. And so if you're really, really struggling at this moment, know that God is with you. He walks beside you. But also note that there is a day that's coming. No more crying, no more tears, no more pain. A day when sin will be gone, when death will be defeated. So let's not be timid or fearful about the future, especially when it comes to matters of faith. For the Spirit of God empowers us and encourages us, as the Spirit did Timothy, to be bold in our faith. What do we need in the church, in the Church of Scotland, in the church in Scotland today? Is it not a people who are bold in their faith, who really take hold of the promises of God, who really take hold of God and say, you know, no matter what, I'm not going to be timid in my faith any longer. I'm not just going to sit back. I'm going to share the good news of the gospel, no matter what that might cost me, because I know it's the right thing to do. And it's what God has called me to do. Empowered by the Spirit, let us be the people that God has called us to be. We're going to sing a hymn in a moment or two. It's a familiar hymn, but the words are worth just just reading out just before we sing it. 
I do not know what lies ahead, the way I cannot see. Yet one stands near to be my guide. He'll show the way to me. I know who holds the future, and he'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow, with his problems large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. I do not know how many days of life are mine to spend, but one who knows and cares for me will keep me to the end. I do not know the course ahead, what joys and griefs there are, but one is near who fully knows. I'll trust his loving care. I know who holds the future, and he'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow, with its problems large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're thinking about tomorrow, and you're worried about tomorrow. Are you willing to put that into God's hands? And say, tomorrow, with its problems large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles and give to him my all. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this day. And we see Timothy, a younger man, commissioned by Paul, clearly gifted in sharing the gospel, and yet perhaps in danger of shrinking back, of being timid, perhaps because of fear of the future, because he sees what's happened to Paul and he wonders if that will happen to him too. And so he's scared. And Lord God, as we come to you this day, if we're honest with ourselves, there are always times when we are fearful about the future. Perhaps we're fearful for our own life. Perhaps we feel aimless in our life. We don't know what the future might hold. Perhaps we are worried about uh, our health, a doctor's appointment. Perhaps we're worried about our family. Maybe we're worried about our finances. So many things that we can be concerned and worried about. Maybe we're worried about our Christian life. Maybe we know, Lord God, that you've called us to speak to a neighbor about the Lord God, you, Lord God. Or maybe you've called us into a form of Christian ministry. And yet we're in danger of shrinking back. Lord God, we hope and pray that Timothy took hold of the words that Paul said to him about being filled with power, the power of God. And we pray in our own lives that we might be filled with your power, Lord God, to do the things that you've called us to do.
And as we're called to those things, we pray that we might understand that you're the God who's promised to be with us, never to leave us, never to forsake us. And as you call us, each one, to share the gospel at the Great Commission, that you promise that you will be with us even to the end of the age. And we thank you also, Lord God, for Paul's profound words in Philippians, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Sometimes we are fearful of death, fearful of what that might entail. But Lord God, we thank you that death is gain for the Christian because it means being with you forever. It means all pain will be taken away, all crying, all tears, all mourning. It means being with you forever and ever. It means being there and singing your praises, gathered around the throne. And Lord God, we look forward to that day when we will be with you forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you that this is a uniquely Christian hope. And Father, if we come this morning and we're not a believer in Christ, if we don't know the hope that he brings, if we don't know the power of the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, help us. Enable us to put our faith and trust in Jesus for our salvation, that we might know the hope, the joy that he brings. So, Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word today. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.